This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. This is Soccer Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. With me today, fresh from their US trip, looking slightly fresh-faced on Zoom, I think-ish. Andy's already shaking his head, but we've got Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten, whatever state they are in. Was it a tough one then, Andy? I wouldn't say tough because it was a fantastic trip and so much of it went well, but I equally would not use the word fresh either. I was heavily jet-lagged <laughs> for a couple of days. I woke up yesterday morning at two o'clock in the morning like oh no just let me get back to sleep i just couldn't get back to sleep so i got loads done but i've not had jet lag for for ages i thought i'd mastered it but when you go east to west and you go through a nine hour uh, time difference i'm sure laurie can attest to this it's uh it's, it's been a struggle good trip though laurie very good trip yeah i mean the fact that you can just get close to the situation more than you can do at Old Trafford or just in the, in the general run of things at Carrington I think is really beneficial to kind of see these players up close and have like one-on-ones with them and you know just be able to chat a bit more to people around the club as well um, but yeah enjoyable in the way that you know we're able to go and see these places New York San Diego uh, Las Vegas obviously um, but as Andy says yeah the kind of getting your body clock back right is a little bit tricky I sort of did it a little bit differently in that I slept on the flight back from Vegas, having made sure that I wasn't too much asleep whilst in Vegas. Uh, and then when I got home, I realised I needed to write a piece. Uh, so that should be up online now, I think, uh, about United's tour. Uh, but yeah, I kind of stayed up until sort of like half three, finishing that off. So I'm now back on English time, I think. I can hear all the listeners shouting first world problems at you yeah, two, yeah, feeling exactly, tired yeah. because you've been yeah, touring America yeah, watching yeah. Manchester United. And from that audio postcard... That you sent us as well. It didn't sound like you got much work done. In fairness, there's lots of details about suitcases that apparently look like thongs, which was what someone said on Twitter, which made me giggle. Uh, if you've not oh, seen the okay. picture of yeah, Laurie's yeah. suitcase, it's purple. It looks like a pair of buttocks. Um, it's on Twitter, and we're going to drill down a little bit more on some of the detail from the US tour. Talk about a bit more about what Andy and Laurie witnessed firsthand. They were, well, two of the very few people to be able to watch. Manchester United in action over in America. People even in the UK, I guess, didn't wake up in the middle of the night to watch the game. So we'll see what they've learned. Uh, We're going to focus in on the new signings, especially on Anna and Mount. And we'll also get the latest on the imminent, I think it's imminent still, 
arrival of Rasmus Hoyland. It's been delayed a little bit. We'll have some details on that. Don't forget, though, before we go any further, I'm going to remind you once again, we have two live shows coming up. New Century in Manchester, September the 4th. London's Leicester Square Theatre on Tuesday, September the 5th. Tickets, like we've been saying, selling out very, very quickly now. Only a handful left. So if you want to get yourselves down there, please go to myticket.co.uk. We've got so much planned for the night. We'll tell you a little bit more about it a bit nearer the time. Myticket.co.uk. Right, before we get into the tour then, let's talk about Hoyland. Andy, where are we up to with this? Because I think we all expected actually when we were recording on Monday that he'd be a Manchester United player by now. Yeah, well, it's it's not been done yet. As, as I understand it, it was supposed to be announced on... What day are we on now? Just getting my, my body back here. On, on Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday. Uh, yeah, so it was supposed to be announced on, on Wednesday. Did you just say Wednesday then? Yeah. He said it's supposed to be announced on Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying that today was Wednesday. No, <laughs> I was today's say you today's are Thursday. I think it was hoped to be <laughs> announced on, on Wednesday, but um, there's there's a couple of issues to iron out revol- res- um, regarding his, his contract, visa and medical, just small things um, that, have, that have not been completed. And if they're not completed, then you can't announce your, your new player. So I firmly expect it to happen, but... It may be a few days. I'm not expecting it to happen uh, imminently. The issue with this, Laurie, is the longer it goes on, the less time is in training before the new season. And I mean, it's only maybe a delay of a couple of days or so. But at this point, that that's actually probably more significant than it usually is. I've actually been quite uh, impressed and, and, and certainly pleased. And, and Eric Ten Hag, I think, has been in terms of the speed that United have actually got these players in. Because we can, we can debate the actual fees they played for each of them. But ultimately, they've got three players in that... Uh, fit the positions that he wanted although as we're saying Holland's not in yet so he hasn't played any games for United it was good though that they got Mason Mount done early and Andre Onana was also able to go on the US tour I wonder if Saturday is the day that they unveil him um, or that they announce him obviously United have got uh, a match at Old Trafford that day to do so in front of a big crowd they did it with Rafael Varane didn't they and I know it was the, an actual Premier League game and the atmosphere was, was quite intense for that one but I, I wonder if that's a quite a nice way to do it because you know usually you kind of get a, a bit of a social media video and um and even you know with Andre Onana, they had to kind of do that over in America, didn't they? There was, there was not enough time for him to do it at Carrington, so it was a little bit after the event. Whereas if they can if they can introduce a, a new player to you, particularly a striker um, at Old Trafford, then I think that'd be great. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a delay. I think it was expected to be this week, but you know overall they've got a striker in um, who is exciting, who is is yet unproven. You know, so we'll, we'll wait and see. I suppose exactly how he acclimatizes to uh, English football. And um, and just on, on that, actually, sort of recent development, uh, you know, we're seeing online reported is, is Goncalo Ramos going to PSG for about 80 million euros. And he, he was one that I, I sort of looked at and thought he could really fit in well at United, particularly from his performances at the World Cup. So I, I think I'm going to find those two players really interesting because clearly United have made a decision to go for Hoyland over Ramos um, if he's going to PSG for 80 million euros. So, yeah, I kind of, I'm intrigued to see how they both develop. I think to mention Ramos is, is a fair point because in December when Eric Ten Hag sat down with journalists, it was one of the players that he mentioned. Uh, another one was Mohamed Kudos, um, uh, the, the Ghanaian Did he mention striker. Hoyland, Andy, at that no, point? No, 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 he didn't. Not, not in one hour. Hoyland wasn't mentioned. But then again... Um, Hoyland wasn't, I can't use the word established, but his stock wasn't what it became at the end of the season. I think when he started showing that he could score goals in Syria, it jumped up a lot. But more than that, I think, scoring goals for Denmark, I think it's his strike rate for Denmark, which is quite significant in the eyes of the manager. So the manager wanted Harry Kane at the end of the season. 
but for reasons we may discuss there, basically money, um, attention was switched to, to, to Hoyland. And I, I said to Laurie the other day, I, I spoke to someone in, in, in Italy, a rival club, who was pretty glowing about Hoyland and also said, I hope Manchester United don't pay too much money for him. And I'm thinking, you know, putting pressure on the lad, etc. But the person said, because that then empowers a rival. And I thought, okay, well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Suddenly, Atalanta have got a load of money, and that will make them very strong. And and that person was working for a direct rival as well. Yeah, that's quite encouraging, actually. Any of the sort of character references I've heard doesn't suggest that he's going to struggle at all with a transfer fee or coming to United or wearing the number nine. Obviously, we'll wait to see exactly if he does wear the number nine. Actually, that's a good point. Oh, um and how he gets on and how he adapts to English football. Um, Jesper got in touch on Twitter, actually, and told us off because we've been talking down Hoyland's record, which was correct. It was factually correct. But he said that you should look at his record in 2023 to understand properly why Manchester United are interested. 15 goals across all competitions in this calendar year, six in nine in Syria towards the end of the season as well, which is that upward trajectory, which is the, the phrase that Jesper uses, why United are, are looking at him. You mentioned Harry Kane before, Andy. There's an interesting article up on The Athletic that Rafa Honigstein has written explaining exactly how Bayern Munich are able to afford this deal for Kane. Lots of detail in there, Laurie, but I guess a lot of Manchester United fans are looking at the potential fee for Kane and the fee that United have agreed for Hoyland and thinking these two figures aren't actually that different. And for an established player who's more than proven in the Premier League, would it not have been worth just pushing a little bit more for Kane? Do you know the reason why United haven't done this? That was the question that I asked. When it was originally floated, the Hoyland idea, I think the, the, the initial reports were like €40 million, Euros, and you're thinking, OK, you know, young player, sort of kind of cut price almost deal. You can see why they're going for him. And then when it gets to what ultimately might be you know, an €85 million Euro transfer, a £72 million transfer, you're thinking that's not too dissimilar from the kind of money that United were walking away from for Harry Kane. Now, obviously, I do accept that he's 10 years younger, so you're getting you know, inherent value in, in a player like Hoyland that you can maybe, if you do you know, at one point in the future, sell on, or he's just going to be your player for you know, the next decade, whereas you don't get that with Kane. But also, the, the additional factor is the wages. So, you know, you look at Tottenham trying to offer Harry Kane a new contract, uh, £400,000 a week, I think that's accurate. Um, United just aren't in that mode right now where you know, they want to kind of keep an even keel on their on their wages. Uh, we, we discussed in the Andrew Nana piece about um, you know the the incentivised contract there. Rasmus Hoyland he won't have been on that much money at Atlanta. You know I, I don't know the actual numbers, but I can I'll, I'll try and find out. And I, I they just won't be anywhere near the Harry Kane figures being talked about. The figure that that Rafa mentions in his piece it's just over four hundred grand a week if you include the signing on fee for Kane. I mean that that puts him comfortably. United's highest earner. This is the type of thing that United have been sort of trying to move away from as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there might be uplifts in Hoyland's contracts as as the years go on. Um, So that's one way of appreciating the talent and and then rewarding if if they do hit certain markers. But that's basically why United still went for him over Harry Kane. And It's interesting, you know, that, that dynamic and when did it happen? You know, I think we reported that United... You know, had kind of decided they weren't going to go for him um, earlier in the summer, um, quite a long while ago, and then that's when they started stepping up talks with with Rasmus Hoyland, and, and they had Rondo Colomarani as well as a sort of backup option. But again, his price would, was going to be quite a lot of money. He's twenty four as well, so a little bit older. And Ten Hag is is behind this. You know, it's not like it, it, the club have gone. You can't have Harry Kane, and you know you're going to have to have Hoyland. He, he's very much sold on on having Hoyland at his club. I think he. 
he's, you know, he's managed to find out details about him in terms of his psychology that you've alluded to there, Ian, in terms of his physicality, in terms of what he brings to, to United from from pressing from the front. And I think it was interesting that Ten Hag, I asked him in the, in the sit-down about his, um, what can we expect of your, your team in the second season? And he talked about the transitional play being, being pivotal and clearly having a striker that is willing to run in behind and willing to, um, you know, sort of harry defenders is, is going to be crucial to that. Yeah, um, Colo Moan is, is another player who Manchester United were definitely interested in. There, was, there were some people really, really pushing for him at Manchester United, but I think Eric Ten Hag is uh, absolutely set on, on Rasmus Hoyland, and I think he'll explain his reasons why in depth. Um, it all depends whether he works out or not. Uh, if he comes in and scores and everything's fine, then people will be saying that this is a genius move by Manchester United, moving away from the ageing, overpaid strikers, although having Zlatan Ibrahimovic or um, Edinson Cavani definitely had its merits at, at the time. But I think Eric Ten Hag is all about youth. If you look at the players who he's brought in, um, the age profile of them is is quite low, especially with the striker. And, and um, Eric Ten Hag is, is definitely... Um, a, a fan of Hoyland. Um, we just need to see. I remember in the mid-season and speaking to someone in the club who just said, it's not just about ability here, it's about pressure. Can you handle the pressure of being a Manchester United player? And moving from, from Bergamo, which is a small, pretty sleepy town, an hour from Milan to Manchester in the Premier League, um, can Rasmus Hoyland deal with that and the pressure that comes with it? I've seen so many players will under that pressure, especially strikers and very good strikers. And Diego Forlan was a very, very good striker who became a world-class striker and didn't really happen for him at Manchester United. So ideally, Rasmus comes in, he gets an early goal because if it goes three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, then that becomes a story, which he doesn't want. But Eric Tenag is, is, is absolutely convinced about him, and if it comes off age 20, then then fantastic. We all know that Manchester United needs a goal scorer. We know that the team needs a number nine as well. And we also know, and we'll, we'll speak more about this, I'm sure, is Eric Ten Hag's got a very definitive style of play which he wants to see from his United team. And that's why he's been bringing the players in, most notably the, the new goalkeeper. Can we draw a line under Harry Kane now, once and for all then, Laurie? Is this, are we at the point now, is this the point where we say, He's going to Bayern or he'll stay at Spurs or going somewhere else. He isn't going to be a Manchester United player next season. Okay, well, next season, well, I mean, so if, if he goes to Bayern, then obviously not, right? Um, even if he goes to Bayern, I mean, there's some people that, that know him that think that he could still come back to the Premier League and break Alan Shearer's goal record. And that was something that actually Ten Hag mentioned when I asked him about Kane in this sit-down. I was like, are you, are you planning like a couple of years ahead, you know, get him in as a... As a low-cost, you know, experienced striker. Anyway, um, and and if he doesn't go to Bayern, if he stays at Tottenham, then you know he's going to be a free agent next summer. And yeah, I don't know. I still wouldn't count against it. Although again, the wages then might even be you know higher than they are now. So you know, being a free agent, draw a line in pencil. Yeah, I was going to say you've got barbed wire at your bum sitting on the <laughs> fence here, haven't you? In, in fairness. Um, Andy, can you draw a line under it then for us without any barbed wire? No, I don't think you can because he's a proven goal scorer and there's not many of them about and that that is the bottom line. I know that there's some people at the club feel that Harry Kane's game has changed and it hasn't improved, that he comes back too deeply. But I know there was a pushback against that saying, just look at his goal scoring record. Yeah, but yeah, but no, 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 just look at his goal scoring record. And that supersedes everything else with Harry Kane. 
I cannot sit here and say that Manchester United will not sign him in the future, especially given Manchester United have had a habit of signing ageing but still effective if a little bit injury-prone uh, strikers. Harry Kane's a world-class striker, and as Laurie said, Eric Ten Hag is a huge admirer of him. So you heard it here first. Manchester United could still sign Harry Kane, according to Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten. Aggregate that. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Two new signings for Manchester United in action in America. Um, Andre Onana and Mason Mount. We've talked a little bit about Onana. Carl and I did quite a bit on the last podcast, really. But, Laurie, from what you saw firsthand... Can you see a tangible difference already, him being Manchester United's goalkeeper compared to to what we had before? Because a lot of people listen to this, what have even seen him in action beyond highlights so far? It's actually really striking how different it is. I mean, right. we were in Houston at the NRG Stadium up in the gods, which was a bit frustrating because you know you kind of cut away from it and there was that like glass you know in between us and the, and the stadium, so you couldn't really hear the atmosphere properly. But what you could see, therefore, is how high Andre Onana likes to just be in the game. So he, whenever the pit, the ball is up the other end of the pitch, he is like sort of jogging to you know to like midway into his own half, you know, and it's kind of like <laughs> you're thinking, wow, is he is he is he ready for any kind of you know shot from long range? And he, he is though. You can kind of see him. He's, he's set to run back if he needs to. It, that was actually interesting in the, in the aspect of uh, Tom Heaton as well when he was uh, starting the game against Dortmund in in Vegas a corner for United, he was actually beckoned forward towards the centre circle by Maguire, Lindelof and Dallow, I think it was. They're obviously making sure that even the substitute goalkeepers are kind of involved in this you know, um, method of thinking. Yes, so Onana was like literally on the centre circle line when United had an attacking corner and it's kind of quite remarkable really that 
that is so different from David De Gea, who didn't want to come out of his six-yard box a lot of the time. You know, the, the kind of touches outside of his box were, were minimal. In that game, Onana, um, I think 40, 49% of his touches were outside the box and, and, and the rest of them were inside the box, which is you know, quite startling. And I think he completed 22 of 22 passes in the first half. And, so, and some of his passes are, are ridiculous. Like you're just thinking that's, that's, that is high quality stuff there, you know, the kind of clip balls out to the wing. Clearly, there's going to be moments where you've got your heart in your mouth and you're thinking, please don't do a drag back there. Um, that is t- that is t- too close, that is too, too brave. And I think he can... You know, have that in him. Um, but and, and another aspect that I thought was really interesting. I mean, we only got twenty minutes of open training uh, at La Jolla um, at the University of California, San Diego, which is where United trained on the uh, Saturday. That was the, their final training session of the trip before they then flew to Vegas and obviously played the game there. Um, and the, the thing that was noticeable from my perspective was that you had Andre Nana, Tom Heaton, Dean Henderson, Nathan Bishop coming out and doing rondos straight away. It wasn't that they were kind of like right. getting tested with shots. It was starting with a little small one. There's mannequins on the pitch and there's kind of passing them around these mannequins and they're trying to not always give a, a perfect pass to the, the the guy that they're giving it to just to kind of put him under a bit of pressure and then the circle kind of went a bit bigger and they're kind of trying a bit more you know adventurous passes and so it, I just thought that was an interesting aspect and you've got like a drone that went up as well at that point so I don't know if it was specifically for the rondos or for then the stuff that United then did with the tactical uh, training afterwards that we were um, you know told we couldn't see which is I suppose fair enough but the fact that they come out and start working with their feet straight away I think was noticeable Andy so you know you, you know you said we, we couldn't see it Laurie um, some of the fans who who stayed in um, were allowed to see it and I got some feedback there so thank oh. you for giving me the feedback you know who you are one thing that said to me was what was most notable about the training session was the build out from goalkeeper through the centre of defence. There was a lot of focus on the six dropping back between the central defenders and the central defenders connecting with the six or even the six connecting directly with the goalkeeper. This is all to break the first line press. We then saw evidence of that in the game in Las Vegas. Manchester United's style is changing significantly. Uh, you're seeing Victor Lindelof going really high sometimes when Andre Anana gets the ball. And I'd, I'd also concur with the stuff that Laurie said. You're watching Anana play and he's often closer to the opponent's half than he is to his own goal. So when you're watching high up in these stadiums, magnificent stadiums, by the way, in America, you're thinking, if you just have a shot from here, a repeat of the Beckham at Sellers Park, you've got half a chance with him. So it will be entertaining. Most people I've spoken to about Anana said there will be some mistakes. So he is a high risk taker. But it's also been pointed out to me the quality of his passing, his distribution, and with both feet as well. So as Laurie says, it is, it is a big shift. is a very different type of goalkeeper. This is Ten Hag football. He needs the players to do it. Louis van Gaal had a very clear idea of what he wanted from Manchester United. But he felt... He didn't have the players to carry out his wishes. So the end result was this pass, pass, side to side, which just bored fans to death. So if Ten Hag gets his way, I suspect he will do, actually. I think that if someone's not acting out what he wants, then he'll make changes and and be decisive because that's what he's been so far. Yeah, there was just a touch on what Andy mentioned there. There was a moment in the Dortmund game where Martinez went really high and he took took his, his striker with him that was like, sort of, I don't know, almost marking him. And then Onana. Laurie, what are you eating? I've just had a dime bar. I'm sorry. A dime I, bar? At one minute past dime. nine? AM. I've, I've done my personal training, haven't I, this morning. I've had my scrambled eggs on, on pizza. 
and Andrew just bought me a dime bar with a cup of tea because she knows oh, I need a bit of sugar, sugar to you know boost me. Well, so I'll I tell you what, full attention to the podcast. I thought I could get away with it. It just sounded like you were sort of chomping on something. <laughs> if you one thing I really noticed, especially at the game in New Jersey against Arsenal, was how high some of the fullbacks get. Aaron Wambasaka several times was the most um, forward Manchester United player, and. I was just struck by that. So I think Ten Hag has played down the style that Manchester United are going to play and say it's going to be very similar to last year. But to my eyes, it seems that it's more significant than, than, than he's cracking on. Dime bar, nice, Laurie. It was lovely, thank you. Good. Yeah. I'd basically said my point, hadn't I? Andy, Andy had already uh, teed me up for it. Fair enough. I'll ask you about Mason Mount then, because if Andre Onana is a striking difference for Manchester United... How would you describe Mount's impact so far? Yeah, it's not been as noticeable because I suppose it's difficult to make that kind of change when you're in midfield. You know, you can't unless he unless he comes in and dominates the ball. I mean, Bruno Fernandez did, didn't he? Because what was before him was so different in terms of the output and the, the quality that he provided. Um, I thought Mount was really good against Arsenal. Uh, he, he got you know stuck in, didn't he? You know that that kind of high energy that he's got. Um, pressing, pressing from the front, I thought was you know, unsettled Arsenal, you know, which is ironic well, or apt rather, because they were a team that were very much in for him, trying to sign him. So I think maybe it's because he's had to shuffle the, the pack quite a lot. Ten Hag here, he's sort of trying to see things, particularly in the outfield positions. I mean, it was a surprise the team that he started with against Dortmund, I suppose, because it was you know the kind of the second string, where whereas we thought that it would be right, the first team are going to get these consistent runouts, and then you can get familiar with the your teammates um, and Mount has shifted I think from number 10 to sort of on the wing a little bit Bruno Fernandes has rotated there so to kind of to, to make a real impact in that situation I think would be difficult but I think that Tanag, you know whenever you hear Tanag speak about him he's, he's full of praise he's, he's like properly you know into him His movements uh, were again were great uh, in and out of possession I think he played again um, a good game and you see already why he fits so good to our team. People have always said that Mount is a coach's player because he, he knows the instructions, he, he, he's intelligent enough to understand them fully and he, and he, he fills them out um, you know, to the T usually with his physical output. So um, yeah, I, I don't think there's been a kind of standout moment for him yet, but I think the, the early signs have been encouraging. It was that attempted chip, wasn't it, against Leeds that, that should have been the standout moment yeah. in a way if that had dropped in. Reggie Boy on Twitter actually, Andy, uh, and Carl responded to him. He said he'd watched all of United's pre-season games and he was underwhelmed overall with Mount. Obviously, it's not fair to judge someone at, at this stage, and he points that out as well. But he's not got the excuse of a new country, a new league. He'll obviously understand a little bit about United as well, having played against them. When Kyle pushed him on it, he said he expected better set pieces from Mount uh, to this point and more of a hunger to collect the ball in midfield. He, he sort of said that he just floated around. What have you sort of made of Mount so far? I think he's settled in well, which is the main thing. I don't think he's looking for excuses. I think he's absolutely fine being a Manchester United player. Pre-season gives a coach the chance to try with different formations and he did that and different players. I don't think anyone would have expected Kobe Mainu to be starting the game in Houston against Real Madrid, but he was rewarded with that start because he'd done well in the other games. Unfortunately, after a Such few a minutes... It's a shame for him as well. It is well. a shame. It is a real shame. I think it'd be very interesting to see Manchester United's uh, line-up against Wolves in the first day of the season. Has Mount made the cut? You know, he's not been absolute standout pre-season but then who has you know Jaden Sancho's been encouraging 
but it's it's all good, not great. But I'd never go take too much off off preseason games. I, I was at I was on that tour in two thousand fourteen when United hammered Real Madrid in front of that massive crowd in in Michigan, and everyone thought that United would be flying into the new season under Van Hal. Then promptly lost the opening game at home to Swansea City. And then you know, that day I had match of the day on me. Can we film you urgently? Crisis at Man United. I'm like, wait a minute. Five days ago you're telling me that because Manchester United have just beaten Real Madrid, this is a new era under Van Hall. Every player's been given a chance. They've all been given minutes. Some of the the lineups, I think, in the stadium in Vegas the other day, when the opening lineup was made, there were a few people saying, well, this is a bit weak. But then look at the team which finished the match. All those players have been given a chance. I think the manager's been very fair pre-season. I've had so many questions this week from listeners, readers in in Ireland saying, what team do you think he's going to play at Dublin on Sunday? I don't know the answer to that, but we've got a game against Lons on Saturday and a game against um, Athletic Club on Sunday in Dublin. And there's all sorts of commercial balances as well here because... People are paying top dollar for the tickets to see Manchester United. And I think that people got it wrong in San Diego. The price of the tickets for the Wrexham game was too high. Interestingly, in Vegas, demand couldn't sell the stadium out. So the price of the tickets actually came down quite significantly because this um, pricing model that they use in the United States is, is similar to airlines. It's dependent on the demand for tickets. Now, in Dublin at the Aviva, all the tickets sold out. I think it's 55,000 um, fans. And I don't think it's unrealistic for fans to expect names to come over and play in that game. Been a lot of games pre-season. What, we on seven, eight matches in all these different countries. Everyone's had minutes. Apart from Kobe Mainu, um, there's not been any real issues with injury. We would have loved to have seen Anthony Martial, but we've said that on all. 204 editions of this podcast or however many we've done. I'm feeling all right about it. I I watched the, the pre-season closely. I travelled there. I spoke to people there, as Laurie did. I'm feeling all right about it. I'm certainly feeling different to a lot of people on, on Twitter, especially Twitter, who are very, very critical. Uh, I'm just, I just don't feel that way. I, I feel Manchester United are in a better place now than a year ago. And if Hoyland can come in, and maybe other signings as well, and I think players will be moved on as well to bring some money into Manchester United. This will be the month where certain players realise that they're not going to feature and go to their agents and say, yeah, let's consider that move. Laurie, just to pick up on something Andy said in the middle of that answer, they're not really being a standout player from the pre-season tour. The standout player actually, to the point where he got injured, was Manu, wasn't it? He was absolutely fantastic, especially in that Arsenal game. I mean, it's such a shame for him that he picked up what was a really weird freak injury as well in the game against Real Madrid after so what was it five six minutes whatever it was how do you sort of see that affecting his chances of making an impact on United's season yeah it was a bit of a weird one wasn't it when um and Casemiro fouls Rodrigo and he falls into Mainu and it was so soon in the game because he, he was the standout sort of player that everyone looked at um and he, you know he picked up an ankle injury after that incident um, and United are saying that he's going to uh, miss the start of 23-24 which I don't know how long that would be you know the first part they're saying so I think it's still to be determined but the fact that he actually started that against Real Madrid I thought was a real vote of confidence from Ten Hag and you could hear it in his voice after the game we asked him about it and, and you could tell he was disappointed because I think he was somebody that they were looking at can we actually really use him this this 
this season in, in the first team squad in that position that's a difficult one that we'd pr- still perhaps need to fill in a little bit you know that kind of six role that can take the ball off the goalkeeper as Andy's mentioned there because he's been so calm he's, you know, he's, he seems mature beyond his years at 18 I'm always quite cautious about getting excited about younger players because it's one thing doing it in you know youth team game and and in 21s it's a totally different thing to be able to do that in the senior game but he did it against Arsenal you know he, he, he made real con- real contributions against a, a team that are, are very good um, so I thought that was a real that, that was why he started against Real Madrid so hopefully he can get back fit and it was already decided that he wasn't going to go on loan you know that he wanted they the club wanted him to be around the first team, um, which you know for an eighteen-year-old is is some achievement. So yeah, hopefully he can come back quick, and I do think he will play a part this season. Just quickly, then, do you think Mount did enough to get into the starting eleven for the match against Wolves? Andy, you go first. I think that's the hardest question you've asked on this podcast oh. because I don't know the answer to that. I think, but that's what I'm saying. the 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 opening lineup against Wolves will be really interesting. I think he'll feature this season totally. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so 50-50. I really think it's a difficult question to, to answer. And we've still got a bit of time as well. We've still got a, a couple of games. Yeah, so it's Mount or Ericsson, Laurie? Is that what we're thinking? I, I, yeah. I think Mount will yeah. because I, I, Ericsson's not had a good pre-season for me. Um, I think he's looked a little bit off it and some of his passing hasn't been as accurate as you'd expect it from him. So, I, I And also against Wolves... I know they may be a little bit different under Julian Lopetegui um, from what previous incarnations have been, you know, the nil-nils and, and what have you, but usually you'd th- expect United to have more possession and therefore a player like Mount would probably be preferable to Ericsson. Right, Andy mentioned it. We're going to wrap up with this. Um, two games left of Manchester United's pre-season, one of them in Dublin. I mean, I guess you both had a choice. Do I go to Old Trafford? Do I go to Dublin? And <laughs> Listeners, guess what match yeah. Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell are covering this weekend? It's not the one in Manchester, Andy, is it? No, I'm going to Dublin. Looking forward to going to Dublin, seeing all the Irish Reds. And, and before we close out on the American tour, a few days haven't since I got back, I'm still staggered at Manchester United support in the United States. I met people over there from around the world with the most incredible backstories. I'm on about refugees from Syria, people from Iraq, people who grew up in, in Brooklyn and from travelled from Scandinavia, from India. It was just brilliant. And I should also say the supporters clubs there put on some fantastic functions. And I, I was at several of them, um, hosting with, with Wes Brown at them. And Manchester United as well, some of the staff there deserve credit for turning up at all of them. I've covered this team for a long, long time. This didn't happen in the future. Not about the owners. Let's forget didn't the owners. We the all past. want the owners to change. No, no. Martin Edwards would never turn up at a, a, a supporters meeting in East Fife when Manchester United played a friendly there in 1995. But I'm on about the most senior people on the tour turning up, keeping their heads down. People didn't even know who they were. I saw some amazing mm-hmm. conversations where fans were talking to like, John Murta, who's in charge of, of negotiation and saying things like, how are you feeling about this season, mate? I didn't even know who he was. And he's like the guy who's putting the deals through. Colette Roach as well. So I think that's good. I think that the club tried to help out on some of the tickets because it's not Manchester United who set those ticket prices. It's the promoters. Then again, because Manchester United are not cheap, the promoters have to charge a lot of money for, for, for the ticket prices. So on to Dublin, sellout crowd against Athletic Bilbao. I was actually going to fly back with the athletic team after the match for a feature. It had all been agreed and that's all changed. But how good would that have been? Never mind. Some you win. Some you win, some you lose. So I'm probably going to have to stay. Are you staying Sunday night in Dublin, Laurie? I am. 
Oh, my word. I hope my wife doesn't hear Are this. you going to get me a drink? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll get you a drink. I got you a beer on, on holiday. I just didn't get you any of them fancy on cocktails. Holiday. Is that what it was? <laughs> you've, you've, your mask has slipped, Andy, for God's sake. <laughs> the mask has slipped. I hope your wife didn't hear that either. <laughs> didn't feel like an holiday. Yeah, it did. <laughs> well, keep that in. I worked every single day. I know you yeah, did, Laurie. I know you laugh about it, but I did loads of work over there. Did you, Laurie? Yeah, truthfully. truthfully, yeah. yeah. I hope, hopefully, yeah, hopefully yeah, I know it shows. You did. And there's, obviously there's still pieces to come. And it's also just more long-standing yeah, stuff, but... isn't it? It's like being able to see these people face-to-face. Yeah. yeah. And I've always had a huge... A place huge stock in being able to face up to people if you've had disagreements with them and have that you know uh, direct yeah. conversation with them I, I appreciate you know any access that we get and, and the kind of that, that direct conversation because it's it's harder to do and it's it's easier to kind of be at a distance and kind of um, make observations but um, yeah I, I think it was a really worthwhile trip on a work basis definitely yeah, if you want to read the fruits of the labour on holiday from Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten, you know what to do. You can subscribe to The Athletic. One ninety nine a month is the offer at the moment for the first 12 months. Sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. We were actually going to do uh, some of your emails on this podcast as well, but we've... Um, We've talked too much about all the different aspects, but I hope you found that interesting. So we'll do the emails next week, I promise. Um, If you've not sent us your questions for Andy, Laurie and Carl, get them in now, devilspod at theathletic.com and I promise we'll get to some next week. But for the minute, Andy, thank you. Laurie, thank you. Enjoy Dublin. See you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.